Welcome to the Peak Performance Greatness Show. I'm Christopher Dedan, founder and CEO of Devian Enterprises, Inc. We are committed to optimize people's performance with tools such as peak performance speaking, coaching, and consulting programs for a worldwide international community. We believe that the only difference between where you are and where you want to be is acquiring the knowledge you need and consistently utilizing that knowledge to become a peak performing individual in every area of your life. Stick around until the end of the show where we will reveal how you can become the next guest on the fastest growing inspirational educational podcast on the planet in 20 to 30 minutes. Let's go. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Peak Performance Greatness Show. I am your host, Christopher Dedian, and today we have Jim Downs, who is the founder of Blueprint CFO, which is an accounting and CFO service firm. Jim, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, Christopher. Thank you for having me on your podcast. I am really excited to having you on the podcast as we're going to talk about everything that has to do with the accounting side of the business world, the finance side, how to bring your uh, business numbers in the right direction. But before doing that, I gave a small introduction of who you are and what you do. Do you mind unpacking that a bit more for our viewers and listeners? Okay, sure. So I'm the founder of a consulting firm called Blueprint CFO. We have five CFOs and 10 accountants. So we do a CFO work with clients and also accounting. And the goal is to bring data to the business owner and the entrepreneur that to help them grow their business faster and make more money. So we, t- we take go beyond just doing basic accounting to, to more around performance improvement and continuous improvement using their data. So I love the fact that we're going to dive into this because I feel like this is not a part of entrepreneurship that's commonly spoken about in regards to once you start entrepreneurship, usually it's somebody that has an idea that sees a problem that wants to create a solution for it, but rarely they really have a great grasp of the finances of starting a business, of hiring, of leveraging uh, anything that the bank could offer and so on. Now with your expertise, what have you seen with that aspect in regards to entrepreneurs' that are starting off or even well-versed are successful making money, but they're not necessarily good with the finances. What have you seen with that? And what are some tips, some tricks that you could give to anybody that's listening uh, that wants to have a better control of their finances as an entrepreneur? So I'm I'm trying to think of how to organize my thoughts here because I have a lot to say um, on this matter, but um, let's just say that accounting is is something that most entrepreneurs do not want to uh, emphasize or, or, or have a large budget to spend on accounting because they view accounting as something they just need to do in order to file their tax return. And they don't really see accounting as something that is a secret weapon. If, if you have all this data at your fingertips, that is what is working and what is not working in your business, it, it, it is sad that they're not taking advantage of that and looking at data that's timely and accurate every month and, and identifying how to improve the performance of their business. Um, I just felt that when I was a CPA back in Michigan and when I started my career, I, I left uh, public accounting because I felt that the CPAs weren't really helping the business owner run their business better. It was all work being done to identify how a company performed in the past and documenting that and verifying that and validating it, but not really focusing on how to improve the performance of the business in the future. And so I think, you know, what we're trying to do is, is bring a resource to entrepreneurs who typically are, are very busy they're very creative people, and they don't really want to dive into the details of all of the financials and the, all the data because they're too busy doing their thing. 
to um, make them stop and pay attention to their data and, and put it, give it to them in a form that's very easily digestible, that shows them things that are going on in the business where they're wasting money or not collecting their money as fast as they should, or um, being being frivolous about their debt, how much debt they're accumulating. And so bringing that kind of data to them to help them run their business better is really our, our goal and our vision. So I love the fact that you guys have that analogy and you kind of explain it in a way to utilize it almost as a special weapon to find out what your numbers are. So then you could see what products or services are profitable, which are the ones that are making it a bit more difficult and really emphasize that with the approach of an entrepreneur. Now, you said that you do bring it down in a manageable step or more of a digestible step for certain entrepreneurs because it's not everybody that is comfortable with numbers, let's put it that way. So how do you go about putting it that way for somebody that's not necessarily comfortable to understand the numbers game? Is there something you do specifically? Is it a way that you explain it? How is it that we can make numbers more comfortable for entrepreneurs all around? So the the typical financial statements that an accountant prepares for a his, his, his boss or for a client is the balance sheet and income statement. And uh, you're probably familiar with those. Balance sheet has certain... Um, I'm not going to get into the details of it all, but th- those are the typical financial statements. And, and we call those a bunch of numbers, mm-hmm. because if you look at a financial statement, typically it's just oh, here's, an income statement might have a hundred numbers on. It. Um, and by looking at just one month, you're looking at the month of December. You're not looking at trends that are going on in the data that are positive and negative. Uh, a year ago, um, just to kind of go to a little bit of a uh, off the side on, on this conversation, I had a, one of my one of my clients is owned a, a bicycle company, electric bicycle company, and they called me and said, "Jim, can we come and meet with you in your office uh, next next Tuesday at ten o'clock?" And I go, "Okay, yeah. What are we going to talk about?" They said, "Can you explain the difference between the balance sheet and the income statement to us?" Now, here's somebody that's paying me money to provide a financial statement to them, but they had no idea what it tell, was telling them, and it's not not it's not fair to to think that they should because they not they're not trained accountants you know we're trained accountants our job is to p- communicate the data to the client in a way that's easily digestible and is actionable if, if we're giving them a bunch of numbers on a piece of paper it's just it just we're not just doing a good job for the client uh so our our monthly financial package is typically about 10 pages and it has a lot of charts and graphs to show labor productivity is going up or down you know are we collecting our receivables as fast as we used to how is the inventory doing do we are we building up inventory more than what we have traditionally had so it's looking over time what's happening and it's using charts and graphs and line charts that show you know if it's going up it's good if it's going down it's bad it's it's pretty and on the front page it has the kpis so the there might be 10 kpis for that each client it's all custom to each company and they all, they're coded red and green. So they can immediately see looking down the column, which one which one of the KPIs are they need to look at because it's red or which ones are green. So it's totally different than a, a typical balance sheet. I always hold, hold up one that, you know, it's just like huge amounts of numbers and uh, totally, totally not fair to accept, assume that the business owner or entrepreneur who's usually a creative person that's created some cool product or service that have had taken the risk to start a business and you know are going down the road to expect them to use that to read that number those numbers and know what to do 
So I, I think you got it spot on the way you explained it, because like I said, first of all, you have to make it as visual as possible, especially if you are working with a creative, which most of the times entrepreneurs do have that very strong creative side. And I think one thing you mentioned, which was very important to highlight here, anytime it's your expertise and you're really great at it, you assume that the knowledge you have, other people have it because it becomes second nature to you. I think as a professional, we have to position ourselves to be like, hey, what do I know? And the knowledge I know, not necessarily everybody knows. So that analogy that you gave as an accountant uh, of like, hey, we know this, but our entrepreneurs don't know this. Let's explain it in a way that's more digestible, I think is the proper way to approach that. Uh, now, Jim, I want to ask you one last question in this regards is if a new entrepreneur is starting a business and doesn't necessarily have a lot of funds to invest in a, an amazing accountant or a bookkeeper, so on, what would you suggest them to do? To have a good structured balance portfolio, not even portfolio, but a balance like knowing of their numbers. What would you suggest with you being a professional in this field? Just hire us. <laughs> <laughs> but you know the the problem is there's really. I mean, what the sad thing is, I I started doing this 20, 30 years ago, Christopher. I mean, I had this idea many, many years ago. Now today, it's finally coming to fruition, where entrepreneurs are looking for this kind of help. It's, it's actually come kind of for a circle where before to be able to get a balance sheet and income statement every month and maybe not even have it on time, but have it a month later or two months later was okay. So I, I think more and more people are understanding that it's important to pay attention to their numbers and, and use their accounting in a, in a positive way for helping them run their business. Um, but, you know, the accounting world, when you go, when you go get an accounting degree, they don't teach you to think like that you don't you are taught to be a historian basically you're you're being a historian to say here's here's your financial statement for december now i'm going to start working on january and so <laughs> that's just not good enough you know to be, to be a good accountant you have to be forward thinking you have to you have to be thinking about what do these numbers mean and to to me that i can communicate to the customer and and client in a very easy way so that they can take advantage of the of the data to run their business better and sadly, there's not many accountants, you know, that are think like that. And, and the other thing is we, we, we have 50 clients or whatever we have now. And I would say pretty much every client when we sign them up, their, their accounting department is doing a horrible job of prov providing them with data that's even accurate. Even though even the financial statements they have are either out of date or they're not they're flat, just flat out wrong. So, you know, they, they're getting financials that they can't use because a they don't understand them and by the way they're not even right so it's really a sad situation i think the whole accounting world needs to wake up and 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 get real because you know we're we're going to be irrelevant i mean a lot of younger people aren't 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 going into accounting anymore you know when i went to school accounting was something that you'd always do there would be a good job in accounting you have to be somewhat mathematically inclined i think to be a good accountant but Today, today it's just not jazzy enough where young people want to be an accountant because it's just viewed as a boring occupation. When that's that's on the accounting industry, we need to make accounting more dynamic and more important in the in the business world. In my view, there's three major things going on in every company: sales and marketing, operations, and finance and accounting. If you if you don't if you have those two, if you only have two of those things, and you're not having a strong finance and accounting department, you're not going to achieve your goals. And it, it's sad that most accountants just don't think like that. They're, they're still thinking like historians. <laughs> so 
I love the fact that you're aware of that and you're mindful of your industry and seeing certain blind spots, let's call it, within the industry so you could utilize it to your advantage or evolve as a professional within that industry. And what you mentioned is not only for accountants as well, like there's a lot of, lot of, lot of industries that are evolving with the social world today, with the internet really taking an influx. And not only that, AI coming in really fast, there are certain industries that are just not going to last as a human interaction uh, industry. Uh, now, that being said, what you alluded to, do you think accounting is going to go towards that? Are we going to need accountants in the future or it's going to be all AI database things that are going to take it over. What, what do you think with that? Well, the, the to the extent that you can use AI database things in the future as an accountant is brilliant because now you can do a lot more with less time and less cost. And so we we try to take advantage of we we have all kinds of automated reports we send out to our clients that take go go into the database the, the accounting system whether it be QuickBooks, NetSuite, or whatever and sends a report every Monday of how, of, of like a dashboard, a scorecard. Okay, well, that that is, you know, that is taking advantage of this AI, the AI brilliance. But at the end of the day, there's still going to be accounting. I think there still needs to be a human looking at the uh, results and making sure they're correct. And, you know, maybe, maybe someday the computer can do that. But also it's a person that can actually communicate what they're seeing in the data in a succinct way that the business owner can um see what they need to do different. You know, mo most business owners run their business based on their gut instinct. And, and they look at their bank account every morning on, and see that they have X amount of money in the bank. And as long as they have X amount of money in the bank, they're okay. But there, there's all kinds of things going on in their business that if you're not paying attention to the detail, could be making that dollar amount in the bank a lot less than it should be. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so, you, you, have to be, you have to be aware of what's going in, what's going out. And like you said, as you become a more, uh, let's call it eloquent entrepreneur, maybe the business grows, you're hiring more and more people, there's more influx of money going out. And sometimes the small amounts of money that go up monthly, you don't even notice it, that can be dangerous. So like you said, to have a good accounting team around you to be aware of these things is vital if you want to succeed and become a mature uh, business owner, right? Uh, yeah. Jim, one thing I wanted to kind of ask you about is your title of the CTP, which is a Certified Turnaround Professional. So I've been hearing this word of like the turnaround, which is somebody that goes into a business that's not doing very well and is able to turn it around, make it profitable and so on. Now, what do you do in that industry? Do you just do the finance side? Do you do like restructured organizational uh, chart of the businesses? Do you like, what is your role within that world in itself? Uh, it's kind of interesting you ask that question because to be honest, what we do for a healthy company is what we the same thing we do for a distressed company. It's mm -hmm. helping create a plan to improve. Now, in when it's a when it's in a distressed company, you know, you don't have the benefit of, of time. You have to make quick decisions in terms of what do we need to do to make this get this company from losing money every day to making money every day. And that, you know, that that you need to be quick about it. You can't waste time because the company every day they have less and less money to work with in order to um, get get back to normal. Uh, so what's happening now, I'm seeing it, um, and it happened back in 2008 when I got my certified turnaround professional. There's only about, what I understand, around 250 certified turnaround professionals in the U.S. And in order to get that, you have to get a, go through a testing where you do a test on bankruptcy law and uh, accounting, and um, there's a four-part test, and you have to pass that test. Plus, you have to have five uh, clients write a letter to the Turnaround Management Association 
that you actually help them uh, turn around their business. Oh, wow. The sad part is most companies, when they get into trouble, they don't take, they're not proactive in getting help by get, bringing in somebody like me that is used to looking at distressed situations and can come up with a plan. They're, they think that they can figure it out or they hunker, they're going to hunker down and they don't really take the actions they need to do in order to protect themselves and protect the business. Because typically it comes to laying off people and that's always a hard thing to do. You, you have built a workforce that you're, you like and you'd like all the people that are on the workforce, but sometimes it's, it's necessary to cut that workforce back and let some people go to the benefit of the other people because pretty soon you might not have a company unless you're, unless you're being uh, proactive. So the, the turnaround professional comes in, is brought in typically by the bank. Um, the bank's uncomfortable that they're going to get their loan paid back. They've, they've made a loan to this company and they can see that the, that the company is faltering because their sales have declined for some reason. Maybe because in this in the today's world, what's going on is there, there's a lot of cutbacks going on in terms of purchasing from big companies to smaller companies. And so where you thought you had 10 million in sales, now you only have 5 million in sales. And that that means you don't have all the money coming in to pay for all the infrastructure you've built over time. And so you really need to be um, aggressive in looking at how to right-size your company back to it so it can be successful at a lower revenue rate. And that's what the certified turnaround professional is. But but be honest with you, that's it, it, I, I came up with this idea of blueprint from that from doing that work because even healthy companies need a plan. You know, even if I just got off the call with a client that that is did a small client, they did three million dollars of sales last year, but they want to do six million next year. Well, in order to do that, you have to have a plan. And part of the plan is going back to what you said before, is like, when should we be hiring people? When do we have enough cash to be able to bring more people on board? Because we're going to need the people to do the work to get the six million. And But if you don't have a plan, then you're just running it based on your gut and you just add people willy-nilly. You're either going to not have enough people or you're going to have too many people because you're not, you don't, you're not doing proper planning. And, and to be honest with you, most, most middle market companies between million in sales and 50 million in sales, which is our kind of our target market, don't do any kind of planning. They do. They might have a budget, but it's not really based on any kind of plan. Like, hey, we're going to we want to sell more of this and less of that. Or we want to expand into this geography. It's not incorporated to the plan. And so they just kind of go month by month and whatever happens, happens, which is just crazy. So it is really interesting how you're saying that even these big companies don't necessarily have a very solid plan of how to grow their business or be aware of where the money's going. And that is interesting. The fact that you alluded to when people are kind of things are going difficult, they don't necessarily think of hiring an outside source like such as yourself to have that different perspective. It's not even a question of like just having your gut instinct, but when you're in something, you miss certain things. It's just inevitable. So if you bring an outside position that sees the whole picture, then it's able to say, Hey, why don't you do this? Why don't you do that? And then you'll be like, Oh my God, why don't I think of it? Cause you were living it. You were in it. It's tougher when it's right in front of you. So I love bringing in that approach of that external help. Uh, Jim, my next question for you is I separate the journey of an entrepreneur in three phases, kind of like a baby growing up or becoming an adult, right? You have your baby phase, you have your infancy phase, then you have your adolescence, and then you have your adulthood or your maturity. And when you're becoming a baby as a business owner or starting off, it's it's really 
you know, starting off, it's very fragile. You need a lot of support to get it to a certain level. And then maybe you're starting to succeed. You're starting to make some money and you're becoming somewhat of a teenager, but there's awkwardness within that as well, right? You're growing up. It's not, uh, you know, structured uh, perfectly. There is some awkwardness within that aspect. And then finally, you become a perfect mature adult, which you have a mature business. Now, in my business, I'm currently in the adolescent stages. Business is going great. We're growing, but I'm investing a lot within the business in itself. So I've been hiring a lot more. I started COVID being a solopreneur. Now I'm blessed to have eight employees within the business. It's growing and we're investing. And this year I had a conversation with my accountant and he's like, Chris, you've had one of the best financial years of your life. But the counterpart is that you've invested the most you've ever invested. So that dividends at the end is not necessarily very high, but we're investing for the future. So my question to you, being a financial expert on the finance side, what would you give as advice to the entrepreneur that's in the baby stage, so starting off, the entrepreneur that's growing that uh, awkward stage, which is the adolescence, and then that mature entrepreneur that's running the business after X amount of years and everything is just running uh, smoothly? Um, so number one, running a business is not easy. It, it's there's a lot going on. You know, when you start out in the beginning, you're by yourself. When I started Blueprint CFO, it was me and a part-time person, um, part-time controller. And, you know, we did very well getting going. And, um, but then I started adding people. Now I have 15 people and there's no way that I can know everything that's going on. It, you know, when there's that many people <laughs> and I need to know what, what's going on because it impacts the financial well-being of the company. Mm -hmm. And, um, so companies go through different stages, like you said, Christopher. I think the what I call the go-go years are the beginning when you're everything you do is, is working and everything's great. Uh, but then you keep trying to expand. And then sometimes, you know, some of the things that you decide you try to do don't work out. And mm -hmm. uh, but unfortunately, if you're not looking at the data, you may miss that. You know, so I, I have a client, for example, they are an e-commerce company, sell consumer products online and um they were spending about they do about ten million in sales, so it's a fairly big company. But they they um, they were spending eighty thousand dollars a month on internet advertising, and over time that had grown up to that. And but nobody was looking at how of that eighty thousand we're spending. How much are we spending on Google leads and Facebook ads and blah blah blah? How many new clients are we getting from those from that expenditure? So when we actually dived into the data and started separating out, you know, where are the leads coming from? We found that most of them were coming just through our website directly where people were searching for, uh, it was, it was a uh, health and beauty product for certain health and beauty products through, through Google and the rest of the Facebook ads weren't doing anything. So, you know, as you get where I'm going with that is as you get bigger and you get into that more mature age, that's when you start really start looking, starting to use your data to make, run your business better is really important because if you, you might have a lot of bad habits of things that used to work way back in the beginning when you started, but they're not working anymore and you're not paying attention because you're just coming in every day and working your butt off to try to make the company go forward. And so you need to stop and look at data every once in a while. Okay. So I love that. So essentially your advice would be to recap this, whatever stage you are, analyze the data and be aware of it because something that might've been working for you in the first stage might not be working in the second stage and vice versa or complete opposite. So be aware of every uh, 
avenue and opportunity on each stages because it might be different. Not because it started off in the beginning, it was working for you. That'll work when you have X amount of employees and so on. I love that, yeah. Jim. That's that's definitely well. Uh, that you know. Then the other thing you mentioned about the mature time. You know, when you get to the mature level, uh, that's when you got to be careful because you may become irrelevant. You know, your your company may become obsolete, and you need to think about pivoting into something else. Mm. And I've seen it all all the time. Um, my bike company is an example. We're selling traditional bikes bicycles that you pedal but today's world people want electric bikes and you know so you need to you know if you just went happy early along kept thinking well you know we're this is the kind of company we are and not pivot into the new new thing that the consumers are buying you could be out of business so you know but you could see that happening in the data but if you don't if you don't start paying attention to the data you you're just going to keep going down the road fat and dumb and happy and use all your money, and, and then all of a sudden realize, wait, what happened? You know, <laughs> bat and dumb and happy. I, I, I love I'm that. I'm from De- I'm from Detroit, and they you know, always use the example of people that made horse and horse and buggies. You know, buggies that were drawn by horses in the old days, and then the automobile came along. It made them made them irrelevant. You know, yeah. Blockbuster. Remember Blockbuster, where you used to go and get videos for your house, and Netflix came along, and you know, Blockbuster didn't pivot and boom, they're out of business and they're a huge company. So you always need to be thinking about what, you know, what you need somebody to help you think through it. I think in terms of strategically, where, you know, what's, what, where do we, what's going on in the data that makes us think we need to do something a little different because our growth is slowing down and um, our customers are not buying at the rate they used to. Some, something's happening that we need to be smart about. That's interesting. Very interesting the way you kind of explained that. Uh, Jim, I truly believe that, in life, we learn from people's successes. We learn from our successes. But the major thing is we learn from our failures. But we don't necessarily only need to learn from our failures, but we can learn from other people's failures or difficulties. So my question to you is, what is something within your business right now that's potentially need to get more optimized? Maybe it's something difficult or a rough patch that you're going through or something that you, uh, in air quotes, failing at. And if that thing or the one that you're going to mention, how would you go about fixing it? Or what do you think about doing for that particular problem within your business right now to fix it, to make it better? Well, and this, this, I'm going to, I'll, I'll come back to the current, but you know, I've been through, I've been trying to do this for 20 years, Christopher. It all sounds great that what we're doing, we're, we grew hundred percent last year, the year before we grew 200%, you know, so it's, go, it's going pretty good. But I've been trying to do this for 20 years. I, I had this idea that this service was needed in the marketplace back in 2000 when I when I left public accounting, basically, and, and decided I wanted to do this. And I started a company in Michigan that ended up I ended up dissolving because it, it, it just wasn't hitting it hitting. It wasn't hitting the mark. So mm-hmm. I, I'm, my point is being an entrepreneur. If you have a good idea, it you know, don't don't. Be persistent because you may, you may it just may need to be tweaked a little bit how you do it and then it'll be successful. Maybe when you start out, you know I lost a lot of money. I I I lost a money a lot of money trying to launch this way back when, but now I think we've gotten the the model down to what the what the market is wanting to buy. And maybe maybe it was just timing that the market now is interested in this kind of service, but it's it's not easy and, and um, but. The, the point is, if you think you have a good idea, don't just don't give up if it doesn't work the first time. I like that. I like for that. us. For us, you know, we our 
our, like every company has challenges and I can list a lot of challenges we have. Number one is talent, finding talented accountants that want to work for our company. Um, I don't know if you know what's going on in the accounting industry, but salaries are growing very fast in the accounting industry because there's not that many accountants. And a lot of, a lot of the older accountants have retired now and younger people aren't going into accounting. So there's, there's the real, real um, deficit of, of accountants. And, you know, if you talk to all of our competitors, we know CPA firms here in California that are not taking on any new clients because they don't have enough accountants. So wow. we've been lucky because we have, we're different. We have a brand, Blueprint CFO. We're changing the accounting world with what we're doing. And so by putting that forward and talking to candidates, they get excited about wanting to be part of something new. And that, so we get, in my opinion, we get the top talent because, you know, we're, we're doing that. We're, we're marketing ourselves to, to them. But, um, you know, if, if you were just a, a boring old accounting firm, it'd be, it'd be really challenging to try to find people to work for you that are good. That's interesting. I love the fact that you're, you, you are aware, like you said, what's happening with the marketing, you're positioning yourself differently. So the few young accountants that are out there are getting attracted to what you're offering because you are changing the industry. Jim, this was such a great conversation. Last question that I have for you over here is after people listening to this great podcast, if they have any questions in regards to potentially wanting to get your services for accounting, for CFO needs and so on, what is the best place that they could connect with you and your team? So one, one thing they could do is go to our website. We have a lot of case studies. So they may see similar types of companies and how we help them on our, our website. That's www.blueprintcfo.com. Uh, they can also email me at jim at blueprintcfo.com or just call me on my cell phone, 949-405-5440 in the U.S. Because I love, I love talking to people about business and how, how we can help them. That is great, Jim. Thank you very much for this amazing conversation. And everything you mentioned will be in the show notes below. So once again, continue your phenomenal job and we'll speak very soon. Okay, thanks, Christopher. Christopher Devian here. Thank you so much for listening to the Peak Performance Fitness Show. If you're a successful entrepreneur or entrepreneur who would like to be on this program, please visit our website at peakperformancegreatness.com. If you got something out of this interview, would you share this episode on social media? Just do a quick screenshot of your phone, text it to a friend, or post it on the socials. If you know somebody that could be a great guest, please tag them on social media to let them know about this program. And don't forget to include the hashtag Peak Performance Greatness. I love seeing your posts and guest suggestions. We regularly put out new episodes and content. To make sure that you don't miss any episode, go ahead and click that subscribe button. Your thumbs up, rating, and review go a long way to help us promote this show, and it would mean a lot to me as well as my team. You want to know more? Go ahead and visit our website at peakperformancegreatness.com or follow me on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, or my YouTube channel at Christopher Didier. Thank you for listening. We will see you next time. Have a blessed and grateful day.